Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. <laughs> um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of A Pod Divided here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas going to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ. It's Wednesday night. It's Thanksgiving week tomorrow, uh, to be specific. Good folks hearing this on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, first thing, if you're traveling, I uh, hope you're traveling safe and all that good stuff. But uh, it's Thanksgiving week. It's rivalry week. A lot of good games all across uh, the board here uh, as we wrap up the last week of the college football season, uh, regular season that is, with championship weekend the following week, and then bowl time uh, right around the corner. So um, the season, we say it every year on this show, Matt, that the season comes and goes. Like It does not feel like Tennessee-Virginia was 12 weeks ago. That does not feel uh, that long ago, but yet here we are. So fellow University of North Georgia alumni, Matt Green, how are you? I'm good, man. I uh, I hear you there. This uh, season really flies by. It's crazy that it's uh, Thanksgiving and uh, um, final week of the regular season here this week. But uh, but yeah, rivalry week. Just so many games on rivalry week. I just always get pumped. And usually, I think we're like we're like on like a decade in a row that Georgia Georgia Tech's been a noon game, just because mm-hmm. it's rarely an interesting game. Georgia Tech kind of has a pulse this year. They're bowl eligible, so we got a night game in Bobby Dodds. So it's kind of cool to be able to watch just uninterrupted Ohio State-Michigan in that noon slot, Auburn-Alabama at 3.30, and then uh, get to see my team play uh, at night. It it works out for my schedule, selfishly, so I'm happy about that this year. I don't want to watch Tennessee-Vanderbilt. What time is that one? 3.30. They're just trying to hide that that that, that three thirty uh, SEC network game. They're just like everyone's watching CBS. This is the one. Just just hide that game. And I have to watch it. I mean, the thing will get me is if Nico goes. Like if we get a lot of Nico, then I'm I'm locked and loaded. But if it's a lot of Joe and company, and it's just running the ball down Vanderbilt's throat, I'm just like I just I I can do without this. It's got to be Nico, thing. right? At least like uh, splitting snaps because they 
this is the fourth game, right? So, and then the bowl games don't count. So there's mm. no red shirt or anything. So I imagine you got to see at least a half of Nico, right? I'm just not saying anything until I see it. Like I want to see Josh yeah. actually do it. And I want to see um, perfect scenario. And then I'm also like, I don't know if I'm overthinking it, but I'm actually kind of worried about the ball game. Like, I don't want him to get hurt. That'd be such a dumb thing to get hurt where I'm like, part of me is, do I want him playing Rutgers in a bowl game? Do I really need that if he tore his ACL or something? I mean, and all what are you just not going to, it's sports. Anyone can get hurt anytime. Like, you no, know, you're just going to play with kid gloves. Like, is have this you seen the last how quarterbacks are protected now? Yeah, this, you should be protected with kid gloves. This, like, no, too big of an investment. This guy's done nothing. Like, he's got to prove he's he's good before you're going to protect game. him. Not in a bowl game. I mean, that's what the bowl game's for. It's a meaningless exhibition game. Essentially, if you're like a seven, eight win team, it's just like we get a few more weeks of practice and just get the benefits of that. But I mean, the bowl game means nothing. So you're going, you're more likely to, to trot out the 2024 team in the bowl game and see like what they're made of, get those guys some experience. I, I think, what are you saving Nico for? Next year, because he matters next year. He doesn't matter right now. I mean... What, if he tears his ACL, he could be back by September anyway. Yeah, but he like, mo- misses all those reps. He misses all of spring ball. He misses all I of think, summer I ball. Think we're overthinking it. this here. It's Mm-mm. uh, you can't. It's not like he's protecting himself from like being a top ten draft pick. So he's not going to. No, play I, I'm games. saying I have big aspirations for what this team can be next year and the following year. I just kind of want to not um, put the biggest investment in baby the most uh, the most high upside quarterback coming into next year in the country let's not get him hurt behind a very very what, banged uh, up offensive line what is he a child what are we worried about with uh with the deco he's i mean it's court he's a quarterback like he's in he's the number one player in this past class like he is oh like you just you have to be protective like you have to like give it it just doesn't I mean, matter was caleb williams protected as a true freshman he's like you just well, he was there. not. The plan was not to play Caleb Williams. Spencer Rattler was bad enough where they just kind of had. But they to got bad it. quarterback play, and they made a decision. It's like yeah. that's it's one of the things I kind of question with Tennessee's year all, season all year. But I don't. I don't. I think at this point the season's over. Like the Vanderbilt game and the uh, the the bowl game should be a preview of what the twenty twenty four team is going to be. And I assume that includes Nico at quarterback. Be a safe assumption to say that it would include uh, Nico. But we'll see if Joe opts out. He might not opt out. I have no idea what uh what that holds you go ahead and uh, opt opt joe out for him <laughs> i mean look do i want to see nico yamaliava play football saturday and in the bowl game yes will i also be very nervous watching nico yamaliava play football uh the next two games yes because i just want to get through this whole season has just been <laughs> you sound like his mother <laughs> yeah i mean look i have a, lo- a very uh, have a big investment in the success of nico yamaliava my boy killed out there yeah i just i'm very protective of uh the best high school recruit since peyton manning uh, at tennessee like you just gotta be you gotta be careful with big bryce young i just don't want to lose him before some, we even get to see him at some point you gotta let him loose yeah, next season when it's zero zero on the record books his and first meaningful snaps of his career next against year against NC like... State. Who cares in a neutral site? Yeah, do that. Perfect. Disrespecting the Wolf Pack already. We're gonna have to bookmark this on on, on November twenty uh, third. Yeah, they're not losing at NC State. Listening. Let's go ahead and wipe that one out. Yeah, their schedule next year is like they Tennessee can walk into nine and three next year. How did like, uh, last time they played NC State? How did it go? It was a Chick Fil A kickoff. Uh, that was a long time ago. That, that was Cordero break? Patterson was still there because he he yeah, had like he a was... kick or something he took to the house or a punt or something. Yeah. Do you know who won that game off the top of your head? 
wasn't it a dome? Was that in Georgia? Yeah, that was like that secondary Chick Fil A kickoff game. Yeah. Like they'll do like the Saturday, like the good game, and then like on Monday night, be kind of the, the B game. Um, Let's see here, thirty-five yeah, twenty-one Tennessee. Okay, so they yeah. they they've got NC State's number. I don't know if they. Yeah, played I'm not worried since. about NC State. Like they're gonna be. I'm sure they've have they played since. That seems like a nice like Belk Bowl matchup, right? NC State Tennessee. They play each other in basketball this year on a neutral site in San Antonio. It's really weird. Um, no, right, well, it's already yeah. way too much to talk about Tennessee. Let's get the let's get this show rolling. Well, I mean, you can talk. We can we can talk <laughs> some balls if you want to talk some balls. Oh, that's something we could do. Tie it in. Who am I thankful for this year? I'm thankful for Nico Yamaliava. And uh, we're not going to play him, but we're thankful for him. He's just yeah. going to be that that expensive expensive action figure that you keep <laughs> in the packaging on the shelf. That might be. I mean, that kind of is where I'm at at this point, where I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm a little afraid to take him out of the box. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really want to see it at this point now. Let's go into next year. Um, I don't know. But maybe that is where I am. Uh, Matt Green, CFP reaction. Did you have anything you wanted to add about the new top four with Georgia at number one, uh, Ohio State at two, Michigan at three, and Washington leapfrogging uh, Florida State at four? Yeah, I think that's to be expected. I think there's a lot of uh, a little overreaction on on saying, oh, like thinking this is a Jordan Travis thing. But I think they cleared that up kind of. The, I mean, if you believe the committee or not. But I think I we said it on this pod uh, a couple of days ago. Like I thought uh, Washington State or Oregon State, as good as obviously Oregon is, I felt like that Oregon State was Washington's. Uh, best win of the season it, it kind of felt like that game where you were like punched in the mouth like it had all the makings of an upset and and you you knocked off a top 10 top 15 team on the road so um i thought it was definitely more of a reflection of washington now their resume is clearly better than fsu's and so i think you gotta put them uh, ahead but but yeah i mean these people that seem to think that like florida state undefeated is has the potential to get jumped by one of these one loss teams. I just don't see it at all. Like it would take something awful, like a couple, like, I don't know, like seven to three wins or something where the offense is just terrible or something. I don't, I don't know, but it's, if they go undefeated, there's no scenario in my opinion that Florida state gets left out. No. And look, like, I don't even know what the argument is against uh, Washington at this point. I think they have the best resume of anybody. Uh, when you look at all their wins and on the ways they're winning in different things, like Washington, if they go undefeated, like it, they have a better, like it's not even an argument that they have a better resume than Florida State. Florida State's big win is LSU right now, right? Like that's about yeah. it. And that was two and a half months ago. So what are we talking about here? Like Florida State's been struggling of late, even before the Jordan Travis injury. Like I like Florida State. They're a good football team, but they don't have a better resume than Washington at this point. I don't think they're a better team than Washington at this point. Um, yeah. in the year. And that's not disrespect. I mean, Florida State's somewhere in that top eight to me, but I also just think Washington's schedule and all the top 25 victories they have, like, I just don't think it's even a contest. For sure. And, and there's a lot of, a lot can obviously happen this week because it's rivalry week and there's some, some weird things. It feels like not enough weird things have happened. This has been like the same top eight teams. Mm -hmm. I think we've had obviously some little, little change there with at Washington, Florida State, and Georgia jumping Ohio State a couple weeks ago. But for the most part, it's been these same eight teams. So, you know, if if uh, if no one gets if there's no huge upsets this weekend, I think we're just we're in for a pretty clean uh, college football playoff like selection. I think it's 
it's uh this one this a season like this is the biggest uh argument against the expanded playoff because mm. you're the 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 current format crowd, whatever you want to call it, uh, abolitionist. I don't know what kind of word you want to go with, but um, that crowd talks to, likes to talk about how the regular season is the playoff, and it's like at times that's true, but different teams are playing a different number of playoff games, so it's not really true. Texas's quote unquote playoff game is is going to be versus who like number fifteen, number twenty. Who knows if Oklahoma State. Uh, I think I think they can still get in if they win or Kansas State. But so that's not going to be the same as Alabama having to go through number one, Georgia or vice versa or Washington and, and Oregon. But it is going to be a lot of fun for us fans knowing the winner of this Ohio State Michigan game is in the winner of Washington, Oregon is in the winner of Alabama, Georgia is in. And it's just it is kind of a, a de facto semifinal or quarterfinal, I should say. Are you ready for Georgia Tech to like just not to have a bunch of dogs opting out? Because how many opt out this year? Does Carson Beck play uh, if this is a twelve team playoff year in this game? I mean, I think so. I think I don't think it's going to be that crazy. I mean, it's like guys are competitors. Like it's not about the guys. That's the whole thing. Do you know in the NBA, there's a misconception here where the NBA a lot of guys want to play. It's never been an issue of guys wanting to rest and guys wanting not to play back to backs. It's doctors, it's medical team uh, personnel. That's like, no, here's the injury risk they give with the team of like, here's the the possibility of so what happened with this kind of uh, minute workload from the night before. Like, it's going to happen. Like, it's not the players. Like, I agree with you that the players want to play. Brock Bauer wants to play football. Carson Beck wants to play every football game. But I think they're going to not play. Like, they're, that is absolutely on the table. Like, if t- Tennessee is in the 12-team playoff chase and they're 10-2, and 11-1 going into Vanderbilt next year, they're not playing Nico in that final week. I mean, like, he's not fairness, playing in that game. That's a different dynamic of what you're talking about. And with yeah. Georgia Tech and Vanderbilt is similar dynamics. Yeah. Like there's a chance Georgia does that anyway, that Lad McConkey mm. is healthy enough to play on Saturday, but it's like, okay, we're going to blast Georgia Tech. You know, you just, just sit this one out, but I don't think there's going to be a scenario where a perfectly healthy player is just like, no, we're not going to. Well, no one's perfect. Who's perfectly him. healthy at this point. Well, like Carson Beck has not missed a game all season, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you're just going to be like, no, nah, we don't need the quarterback for this one. He's going to sit this one now. We don't want to get him hurt in a game that doesn't matter. It's like, I don't I don't see a scenario like that happening. Someone who's been dinged up at times or something that's trying to come back from injury, maybe they could play. You might rest them in a, in a game that you don't really think is important. But I just don't see a scenario of like getting like a legit opt out, like, it's not the season's not over. It's like you're gonna opt out and then opt back in for the conference championship. Like I don't yes. know. It's just I think it's I don't see a thing like that happening. I think it's if it does, it's it's those it's those few rivalry games that it's a Vanderbilt that's a quote unquote rival. No one's opting out of the Iron Bowl out of Ohio State, Michigan. Well, they might not opt out of Ohio State, Michigan because they're gonna play them again the following week and they don't want to show anything. But that that's a whole nother scenario. I think it's coming. Um, and I don't think it's gonna be called opt out. I think it's just gonna be rest. Like I think it's just we're preparing for other things. I that's my gut. I will. Well, as soon as college football starts looking more like the NBA, I think we need to uh, do a do a quick one eighty. Because I'm not trying to have any. Uh, oh shoot, I I I blanked on the word. What's the load management? Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to have any load management in college football. I'm gonna bet Short on there the is. If we need to, I'm gonna guess there is. 
you can say they're they're not um and we'll see how it plays out but my gut is yes you're gonna see load management and guys not play last Uh, thing on the playoff though mm I'm so confused on how Oregon is just so solidified ahead of Texas and Alabama. Does that does that make sense to you? Like, does Oregon clearly look better than Texas and Alabama? Like, I don't think their resume is it's probably the worst of those three. Like, who's their best win right now? Utah? Probably Utah. And it's um, like they're not even are they even ranked in this new no like i don't think so four or something right yeah i don't so think they are. I, I don't know it's like they had a close loss to washington we go in we go in quality losses now like alabama's beaten what three top 20 teams all by multiple scores um i think is that right all of them texas obviously beat alabama so it's like i don't know i just I'm I'm a little confused because I think that's the nightmare scenario for the committee is Alabama beating Georgia and Texas. People don't think they'll do it, but Texas has to stay ahead of Alabama, regardless of what you do. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a scenario where it becomes a three-way conversation. Like if it's Washington, Florida State, and the Big Ten champ all undefeated, they all have to be in. And if it's just one more team, it's got to be Texas instead of Alabama. But if it's two more teams, if Oregon beats Washington – even though Oregon's been ahead of Texas and Alabama for this long, I think you could have a conversation about Texas and Alabama being ahead of Oregon. And then that's that allows the committee to to wipe to let Alabama get in, but Texas still be ahead of them. I don't see that happening because that would be Oregon's best win, obviously, of the season if they beat Washington. But I don't know. I think uh I think you have to keep Texas ahead of Alabama, regardless of what happens. I mean, I mean assuming I agree, they're both I'm- one loss champs. I agree on that last one. You know what it is? It's just the way the Oregon looks, right? Like Texas is struggling to get some of these wins. Like it was ugly the way they beat Iowa State, but like it was a defensive effort and Quinn's been in and out of the lineup and they're just not pulverizing anybody out. Like Alabama feels like a distant memory and Oregon's just beating the living hell out of everyone week over week that they just look overwhelming. We're like Franklin, the receiver is averaging like 18 yards per catch over here. And Bo Nix is also the Heisman favorite. So I think it's just the manner of winning is just in Oregon's favor where they are winning in such a blowout, unstoppable force type fashion. And that's why it's weird when I hear like some people talk about like the final four and like Oregon. Now some people that I respect think that like they would give George the biggest scare of anyone. I'm like, not, I don't see that at all. Like I, we saw this last year and I don't think the rosters are that different. I'm like, I don't see Oregon giving George the best game at all. I still think like Ohio State and Michigan, it's I think people are just bored of throwing them at Georgia, but I'm like, no, they'll both. I think give. I understand Michigan did not give them a great game two years ago, but I think this version of Michigan is also better than that Michigan you saw two years ago. And I also we just saw Ohio State push Georgia to the brink. And I also think Texas has a lot more talent right now than Oregon. I think Oregon's on the right path. Like their recruiting is strong, strong, strong. And I think they're going to be really good in the Big Ten. But all that to be said, like this idea that Oregon is the number two team behind Georgia. I don't, I don't see that. Yeah, and I think it's, it's kind of where you're getting at. Yeah. And it's hard to see um, it, just because we saw that game in 2022, it's obviously mm. a, a different team, but yeah. And in, in Ohio state, another game we saw in 2022, but this team is just so different that I don't, I don't know how this team matches up with the Georgia just because they don't have CJ Stroud. They still have those receivers, but it's, it's a completely different passing attack this year, a less dynamic offense, but it's it's also a completely uh, better defense uh, than it was a year ago. So 
I think I personally think Texas provides like a really interesting matchup for Georgia. That's just one team that's like, or maybe a Washington that's like they can they have some some great receivers that can win some one on one matchups. As good as Georgia's secondary has been, I think that's the kind of team. It's got to have one of those offenses that can actually uh, challenge Georgia and like potentially win a shootout. Because as weird as it is to say, like I think Georgia's got the best offense of, of any of these contenders right now. Yeah, I mean, I think Oregon's offense is legit. Like, I do think they're good. I mean, Washington's offense, you can't discount, like, Washington. Um, and they win in different ways. I do think Washington's up there. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I think Georgia's definitely better than Michigan and Ohio State in their offense. I don't even think that's really close right we just, now. Is the world pulling for the Florida Gators this weekend, like, for, for the first time ever? Like, no, I think... I think- don't want to see florida state and i think the casual fan all wants florida state and i think there's a lot of folks who would like oh what a great story if they're able to keep piecing this together if florida state can hang on and i don't know i think people want florida state to probably win i think you and i and again this has nothing to do with florida state i have a lot of florida state fans in my family alums all that kind of stuff that want to see florida state so it's not like it just sucks like their whole situation sucks it's a crappy situation to be in but i think because i'm uh (laughs) both it's, it has a new Tennessee part of me. It's just as a college football analyst, I don't want to see someone who's going to sit through both playoff games and then the national title. I don't want to see Tate Roadmaker in the college football final. <laughs> like I just don't. And I, and it, it just sucks because I would love to see Jordan Travis and this group face Georgia or whoever. But like, if he comes down to it, like I think you and I are both like, Mm, unless he I'm gets gonna, his cardell jones on, in there yeah unless he gets his cardell jones on and they drop a yeah. 70 piece on louisville in the acc championship yeah yeah i'm thinking um they just they i'm sure they felt like a borderline top four or five team mm. and without such a dynamic quarterback that was so much their offense it's i would assume they're no longer a top four team but you no. know well, it remains to be seen. If they can go undefeated, they definitely uh, still deserve to get in. Absolutely. Those are two different things. Do they deserve it? For sure. Do I want to see them in it? No, I do not. That's <laughs> currently constructed. I, I do not want to see it. Um, speaking of things I don't want to see, there are some games on this very slate that Matt Green is throwing on here because he's like, it's the last week. And Matt's just, it's Thanksgiving week. Neither of us are working tomorrow. I'm traveling. Last game of the season. Can't hold back now. Yeah, he's like, can't hold back. Chase is traveling all day tomorrow, jumping around, doing different family things out here, doing doing the, doing the all kinds of stuff. And Matt's like, I'm going to be comfy in my old home. The old neighbor's going to come cut the grass, the front and the backyard. I'm just going to be chilling with Zeus and Maddox. It's going to be pretty Hey, Bernie back. hasn't cut my yard in a, in a while, all right, sir? You gotta, oh, so now you you're throwing him under the bus in the pod just because the man's been a little tired? You're just upset that he hasn't. It's no, I've, it's I've grown time. into that role. I've grown into that role on my own. It's now. pre-emergent okay. season, Matt Green. He's preparing your yard. He's getting ready for the weed season. This is the time to oh, get ahead he, of that. He did a hell of a job, and he, you know, he motivated me. You know, because he was out there blowing his leaves off, and I was like, mm. you know what? I got a bunch of leaves. I got a bunch of leaves in my yard too. If Bernie's blowing his off, I need to make my yard look good too. So, Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, you know, I got to, I got to keep up. Well, you're not supposed to. Have you read the reporting on like it's actually not good for the ecosystem and the bugs? The story said not... the same thing, and I'm like, look, I know what you're saying, but I'm looking at these trees. There's gonna be more leaves, so I won't blow the next round that blows down. Oh wow! But, uh, but yeah, it's that's uh, marriage. That's compromise. I won't do the next more round. more that are gonna fall, but it's it just looks nice. You know, you get those get those leaves off your yard. Wow. At the expense of all, it's funny that Sam and Tori are the same in this regard. But yeah, I don't think that's in my future. Is uh, blowing off any of the the leaves um 
very big fan of the leaves and what they do for the ecosystem and the bugs. <laughs> um, and that concludes the bug hour here on this edition of the program. Matt Green, uh, going into week 13 here in the college football season, where do we stand in our pick and where are we going first? All right. Where do we stand in our pick So far on the season, you are... 89 and 43 overall to my 85 and 47 four game lead uh, overall wins and losses against the spread. However, you are 76, 52 and four 57.6% on the season. I am 70, 58 and four six games behind you against the spread. And then Zeus on the season is 12 and four 75%. Uh, just getting winners. Also, shout out to Zeus because today is Zeus's 11th birthday. Oh. So, uh, happy birthday to Zeus, the big home dog of the week. Happy birthday to Zeus, big number 11. What did uh, what did y'all get for uh, for old Zeus? What's what birthday presents are are we rocking here? So, Satoria uh, uh, cut up some hot dogs. That was his favorite. <laughs> Put that on his uh, on his dinner yeah. tonight, and then he had she did a little uh, uh, what's it, a little ready whip in a uh, in a little bowl and put some raspberries in there and uh, sang happy birthday. Had a little candle, uh, sang happy birthday to him. Maddox got the treat too, of course. Uh, mm. You can't just let one of them, you know. But yeah, so uh, she enjoyed that. It was a uh, just quality day for Zeus. Good for him. He he earned it. Absolutely. Uh, well, where are we going first, Matt Green? I think we got to start off with the game. It's the one we've been waiting for all season. Well, mm. nationally, me and you have been waiting for this Georgia-Tennessee from a week ago. But mm. nationally, the game everyone's been waiting on for it, waiting on is for Maserati Marv himself and the Ohio mm. State Buckeyes. At the Michigan Wolverines, Michigan is a three and a half point favorite in Ann Arbor. How do you see this game going? Well, it's going to, I mean, I think the the Harbaugh not being around aspect is pretty fascinating. And I think that goes into this three and a half line for Michigan. Um, really being a pick up because I, I just wonder what it would be if Harbaugh's coaching in this game. Because I just feel like it would be higher in Michigan's favor based on what we've seen from Ohio State to this point in the year. Um, I don't think this is going to be one of those interesting ones because I don't think either quarterback is rel- is really all that good and can go out and win uh, games for uh, their respective team. We haven't seen him from J.J. McCarthy yet, and Kyle McCord definitely isn't that guy. Um, I don't think he's going to be the long-term answer there either. Definitely one of the worst uh, Ohio State quarterbacks in a long time. Um, feeling like Justin's wick out there a little bit uh, with Justin's Kyle McCord. A little Todd Beckman. Yeah, a little Todd Beckman, Craig Kinzel. Just uh, we're going back uh, to the old days uh, with these uh, with uh, Kyle McCord. But I don't know, like Travion Henderson. What's interesting for both these teams is like it's going to come down to Blake Corman, and Travion Henderson running the ball, being able to control time possession, not making dumb mistakes, not letting their quarterbacks make dumb mistakes. Ohio State obviously has uh, more town out wide. Uh, uh, Buka looks healthy coming into this game. Travion Henderson's been healthy of late after missing some time in the middle of the year. Um, but he's been really, really good. And I think he's quietly the engine of this offense. Marvin Harrison's awesome, but Marvin Harrison doesn't uh, move the needle as much when you have somebody like Kyle McCord at quarterback versus a CJ Stroud uh, a year ago. So he doesn't scare you as much. He should. He's top player in this sport, but it's a little bit different because he just can't. I mean, this is just you don't have the elite quarterback play that you had a year ago with Stroud. Kate Stever's back, um, so that's good for them at tight end. But 
I don't know. He's McCourt's just not good. And I think they need Trayvon Henderson to have a big, big day on the ground to win this game on the road playing in Michigan style. Ohio State's 24th in passing. Michigan, though, is 64th. And the way that Jaden McCarthy, like the Heisman stuff, I'm like, he's not, I don't know why he's in that conversation because Michigan has not been good. He's just not been that good. It's at least over now, right? He's not still in the Heisman conversation. He was in it for, even when he wasn't playing well and the Michigan passing offense wasn't great, it was still, he was in there and I didn't really understand it. Um, To put that in context, Tennessee has a better passing offense this year than Michigan. And as someone who's watched a lot of Tennessee's passing offense, that's, that's bad when Joe Milton has a better passing offense uh, than you and you're you're trying to win a college football national championship this year. But I just look at it and I'm like, I think this game's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be a blowout like a year ago, but I wonder back and forth, like, who do I trust more? Uh, J.J. McCarthy at home or Kyle McCord on the road to win it late more? And when Kyle McCord said, quote, and I got this, uh, so this, uh, did you see his quote about this game this week? Oh, I don't think I did. He said, quote, at the end of the day, it's just a football game. I've never just why you would say that ahead of this rivalry game that it's just well, a it's game. Just... It's just a football game. I That tells me everything I need to know about Kyle McCord going into Ann Arbor. Is that right? Dump, is it's not. And going into it with that attitude is a terrible attitude going into this game. Uh, a lot's on the line. Ryan Day's job might be on the line here. There's all the pressure in the world. Not You don't go 0-3 against Michigan three straight years at Ohio State. Um the standard is the standard. You're a top three program in the sport, top three talent. You can't do it. You can't get uh, out-muscled, out-matched uh, in Ann Arbor uh, two out of uh, the last two times you've been there, and then obviously losing last year in embarrassing fashion. But look, this is the stat that I scares me the most about picking Michigan here. Um, so from uh, M Live, uh, great coverage over there with uh, Michigan. They had this little nugget in uh, one of the pieces I was reading. Um, in three starts this season with Moore uh, as acting head coach, the Michigan quarterback has completed just 61% of his throws for 344 yards and two touchdowns. So that's not great, but also his completion percentage is well below the season average in those games with Moore, um, 73%, and includes all four of his interceptions. So he's all of his picks have come when Jim Harbaugh has been suspended uh, for Michigan this year. Seems like McCarthy needs yeah, I, Harbaugh. I he, uh, wait, is this first Power Five competition? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Because he threw like three against Bowling Green or something, didn't he? No, but no, no, no. That's Harbaugh didn't coach those. Oh, oh, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, Harbaugh suspension. didn't coach those. You're right. Yeah. You're right. My bad. My bad. Yeah. No. So listening. all of his all of his interceptions are without Harbaugh. So I'm a little nervous about that part of it and maryland gave michigan some problems uh a week ago this michigan offense did not look great um but the best part of all this is like if you don't beat michigan without harbaugh i understand it's going in arbor it's going to be a tough game but i don't know how ryan day you survive this if you end up losing this game are you just like do you take the texan job sunday morning or do you wait a little bit longer before you depart and uh just get out of town and take the take the money and see what you can do in College Station. But my gut tells me if he loses this game, I don't think he's brought back. There might be a, the, the mutiny at uh, in Columbus if you lose this game, especially without Harbaugh. I I just don't know how you survive it. You can't go zero and three against Michigan. You just can't. Um, yeah, even with the success in the playoff last year against Georgia, I just I all that to be said. I feel I don't feel great about this. I'm going Michigan. I don't feel great. 
but I'm going to go Michigan 31, Ohio State 28. So I think Ohio State covers just a little bit. Oh, last second Michigan field goal or something. I think this is going to be a lot closer than what we saw last year. The Harbaugh factor, I think, will loom large. I just don't think Kyle McCourt's the guy to go into Ann Arbor and beat this team and lead them to victory because I think he's going to have to make some plays through the air, and I just I, I don't trust him. I don't trust McCourt in the spot. No, I definitely feel you there. I think I think last year's result was like a little exaggerated, personally. It's like th- this game was like a one-score game with like six, seven minutes left. Mm-hmm. It's like this was a close game all the way through, and then – Donovan Edwards busts like two 80 yard runs and it looks like Michigan blew him out. Like obviously that, that happened, but this Ohio state t- defense is just built so much differently than a year ago. Like these are the number one and two total defenses in the country. Number one and two scoring defenses in the country. I think that be the number one and two pass defenses in the country, which part of that I think is some of the whack competition they've played in the big 10 this year. Um, but still these two defenses are great. And I think they're going to see two more questionable quarterbacks again on Saturday, but I just look at JJ McCarthy and Kyle McCord. Like this is, this is the number one pass offense in the big 10, even though it feels like it's not very good. It's, it's still going to be the best one that Michigan has faced all season. And Maryland was another one of the best. And we saw the problems that Maryland, uh, gave Michigan a week ago. I think being in Ann Arbor, I think, is the biggest thing that's like it's hard to pick against Michigan there. But this Ohio State team feels like they're more built like last year's Michigan team. Like they they feel like this both of these teams just feel like better versions of like Penn State, right? Everyone in the Big Ten is kind of playing the same style and it's kind of who has the best offense that can kind of separate these teams. And these teams at least have competent offenses, but the defenses are still going to get the better of them more times than not. I just, they're not going to be, I, I, this was my prediction for the Penn state game. And I was wrong that JJ McCarthy was going to have to do something to win the game. And he literally didn't have to do anything and they won the game. I don't think they can beat Ohio state that same way. I think JJ McCarthy's going to have to throw, going to have to do something. And I think if I'm putting this game on two, like pretty equal run games two pretty equal defenses, I think the difference is the playmakers that Ohio State has out wide and potentially Kyle McCord, but I think Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Egbuka more than anything else. I think I'm going to go with Ohio State, uh, 20 to 17. I think Ohio State goes into Ann Arbor. Ryan Day saves his job. Wow. We disagree out of the gate here. And I went back and forth on that one. It's going to be a great one. I uh, we'll, we'll see. I wouldn't well, how's the prediction for this? Like, let's do this. Put it on the record. If Ohio State loses, does Ryan Day keep this job at Ohio State? I'm kind of with you that he might try to bounce and get paid somewhere else before he gets fired. I have heard those rumors of Texas A&M and Ryan Day. I, who knows how real really that fits. stuff I could is. see it. Like That wouldn't surprise me. And then Ohio State just drops the bag towards Mike, Mike Brable to get him out of the rebuild in Tennessee. Bring the, <laughs> the legend home. Brable. Oh, man. You're 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 uh, you're going off the off the rails here. I uh, I like what you're I'm picking up what you're putting down. I'm playing chess. I'm playing like, chess out here. I like it, but I don't know, man. It's eleven and one. Like they, another eleven and one season. It's hard to just say like you're gonna fire this guy. That's Obviously, why I think the- he bounces. Like I don't think he gets fired. I think he just like takes the Texas yeah. A&M job, and it's like a mutual parting of ways. 
What about uh, Marcus Freeman? Is he uh, is he a candidate to get the Ohio State job if uh, if uh, Ryan Day moves on? That'd be a bad look for Notre Dame. Tough look. I don't think what so. It? Or not Marcus Freeman, Luke Fickle. Bring That's Luke it. Fickle back to back home. No, you can't do it after a year. I just don't think you can do it that soon. It's just a bad look. You don't it, want to do the Mel does, Tucker. It does feel like that way. Uh, Lane mm. Kiffin is definitely the first one I think of. Yeah. Uh, kind of build, talking shit, building a reputation at Tennessee, yeah. and then and then just bounce on. Yeah, I just USC don't think you can do it. You day. just get it. Just looks bad. The optics aren't good, so I don't think so. I don't know. It's hard to turn down if Luke Fickle of Ohio State's coming. Like that's home. You know. That's, I mean, have that's you seen Luke down. Fickle? Just went like. I mean, they're not going bowling, right? What is their Wisconsin schedule or record? Is it that bad? I what thought they this? were going bowling. Hold on. Am I crazy? What is their record right now? I'll let you... Uh, oh, they're six I'll... and five. Okay, I thought six they were five and, five and six. Yeah. Well, let's... Uh, speaking of the Big Ten West, let's mm. go to what should be a rivalry. I don't know that this is a huge rivalry, but I think nationally we all just... Like, let's make this a rivalry. We got Iowa and Nebraska. It it's should a rivalry. Be, it should be a rivalry, right? But like Alabama, Georgia, like obviously in recent years it's been a rivalry, but like historically Alabama Georgia would make sense if it was a rivalry. If you were just some person from the North, like, Oh yeah, that's mm. probably, but it, it, for whatever reason, it really isn't like Tori always thinks Michigan and Wisconsin's a huge rivalry. And I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I don't think so, but yeah. Anywho, Iowa, Nebraska, Nebraska is a one and a half point favorite in this one. And I'm not really sure I understand that at all. Like all Iowa does is win baby. Like, I don't know how many points they're going to score, but Gonna give Nebraska favored, like give me Iowa 16 13. Put on the board, Iowa. We disagree again here, Matt Green. Ooh, you're going Perfect. against your Hawkeyes on the road here. It's a different environment going into Nebraska when they're trying to go bowling here. Um, Kirk Ferentz deserves an apology no matter what on this year because you take away that one loss to uh, was it Illinois, Minnesota, Minnesota on the crazy punt call. You're ten and one going into this game, even after having to fire your son and yeah. everything else. Like, we give them so much grief. I went on a whole rant about this a few weeks ago on the pod, but like, Kirk Ferentz, people just overthink it. Like, I understand that it's unacceptable for the offense to be as bad. It's, but like, the guy's doing something right. He just wins every dang week. The man wins a bunch of football games and overachieves with an unbelievably inept offense, and he deserves credit for finding an insane dubs. number of first round picks. Also, yes. like they they at least get like two first rounders like every year. Yeah, and like they never get big time recruits. That's what I'm saying. It's developing. Like Kirk Ferentz is bit like I'll go to bat. Kirk, come on the pod. I got your back. Um, <laughs> here's the sad part though. Nebraska is building new Iowa with their defense and how stingy they are horrific quarterback play where Jeff Sims throws like nine uh, interceptions in the opener to Colorado and looks Bold awful. strategy. And then they're, they go with the triple option type quarterback for a little bit. He gets hurt. Now Chubba Purdy's popping in there. Uh, he'll be starting this game against Iowa. Like they don't have the quarterback position figured out. Neither does Iowa. They have a great defense. I think Matt roll is going to have this defense looking really good uh, long-term with Tony white and company, but they're the new Iowa, but the West is going away. So Nebraska has, I feel bad for Nebraska fans because I think if the West had existed for like the next five to seven years in the Big Ten, 
even with the new members coming in, I think he would still look at Nebraska being in the Big Ten title game several times and then taking over the mantle when Kirk retires as the new overachieving, unwatchable brand of football where the offense is perpetually terrible, but the defense is top 10 in the country most years. And they just find a way to make it work with three-star recruits and just not a lot of talent in the Midwest. And Matt Rule just kind of slogs this team to 9-3 and three and 10-2 and two most years. And you're like, how did that happen? I feel like Nebraska was terrible. And you're like, no, the offense was, but they still have such a good defense and do enough right that they just find their way. So I feel bad for them that they're really figuring out the new Iowa strategy. And it's not going to matter because they're getting rid of divisions and they'll never be in the Big Ten title game. Um they haven't given up over 24 points since September 3rd, and yet they've lost three straight games. That's an Iowa-type stat. They need the win to go bowling. Iowa has been favored in nine of the uh, their 11 games this year uh, coming into this one, but Nebraska is 4-2 and two at home, straight up, and 1-4 and four on the road. They're a much better home team. Nebraska won this game last year on the road, and Iowa owned the series previously, long win streak before that. Here's the best part. The Huskers and the Hawkeyes are 129th and 130th in long passing plays in the country. Neither will be throwing downfield in this game. Neither are going to be any sort of fun at all. Chubba did a little bit better than Hank Heimeister or whatever his name is, who was the second string guy in there for a while after Jeff Sims was benched and everything. But, man, I think this is going to be ugly. I think this is going to be a defensive slugfest. But I think Nebraska pulls this out at home and gets the ball eligibility. So give me... Nebraska 20, Iowa 17. Put it on the board. Last time uh, that Nebraska beat Iowa in Lincoln was actually 2011. So mm. it's been a while. Iowa's uh, made a second home up there in uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. I think it'd be down there for them. Nebraska's above I Wait. No. Are they ne- They're next to each other, right? No. No. no, Nebraska is not on top of. I was not on top of Nebraska. It's above it. I'm not saying directly on North, top. Hold South on. Dakota's on top of Nebraska. Hold I think on. these are next to each other, right? I sh- okay, they are kind of next to. Oh, Iowa is above, but they are next to each other. Okay, yeah, because yeah. because Nebraska is on top of Kansas. Yes. Right. Okay. There we go. There's a little geography lesson yeah. for you. But I think you do go down for Iowa because I think. Oh, I did say I did say up. So yeah, yeah, whatever. They'll go over, go over to Lincoln, Nebraska. They've been owning that place. Um, Well, let's keep it moving. Oregon State at Oregon. Ducks are a 13 and a half point favorite in this one. Oregon has won seven straight at home in this series. How do you see this game going? Um, so I think this continues on Oregon state gave it their all last week at home. They're a different team at home. There's their first home loss in a long time, uh, to Washington. They had the ball late, couldn't close and Washington escapes with a dub. I think this is like a rough bounce back opportunity to get these two back to back is brutal. The two best teams in the pac 12 and back to back weeks. And this one on the road at Oregon where they were pretty upset about how last year ended. Because if you don't recall, I mean, here's the weird part. Oregon's actually lost two of the last three in the series. Um, but Dan Lanning, this will be number two. I don't see Dan Lanning starting off number two uh, for this one. The other thing I worry about is Jonathan Smith is like the favorite for the Michigan State job, it looks like. So I don't know where that might uh, go in terms of uh, preparation and headspace and all that kind of stuff. DJU is also just not very good. I don't see a DJU winning a duel here against Bo Nix and company. 
Um, in this one, I think Oregon State deserves a lot of credit for shutting down Washington's pass game uh, last week. And that's going to be huge here because Franklin's averaging almost 20 yards per reception this year and has a lot of them. And it's just been an absolute dynamite connection with Bo Nix all year long. But a lot of Bo Nix's stuff is short, close to the sticks, and he puts his guys in space and an opportunity for them to do a bunch of yak stuff, which is why I don't think Bo Nix should be in the Heisman conversation, um, or at least in the as the front runner uh, to me. But look, they were up 31-10 last year going into the third quarter, and then Oregon State obviously went on a 28-3 run to win. Uh, they Oregon didn't uh, convert on that late fourth down, um, at the Oregon State three and all that, but the stakes were similar, which I didn't realize. Uh, if Oregon had won, they go to the Pac-12 title game and then could have gone to New Year's Six Bowl. Stakes are similar here. You lose this game, Pac-12 title game's out, um, potentially, and you're looking at a maybe New Year's Six, maybe not. Like, same sort of stakes going into this game as what it was a year ago for Oregon. But what's mostly different to me, too, Oregon is number 11th in the country in rush defense. Damian Martinez and, co- and company at Oregon State, they have to be able to run the ball effectively to have a chance in this one. And I think Oregon's rush defense is a lot better than what it was a year ago. And I don't think Oregon State's going to be able to do that on this team. So I think actually Oregon wins and Oregon wins comfortably, uh, unfortunately, for the for the beef. So give me Oregon 38. Give me Oregon State 13. Ooh, a beatdown in actually the final to Civil War. Um. So Oregon State has lost three games by a total of eight points this Mm. season. So they're not getting blown out typically when they lose this year. This is, I would say, the best team Oregon has played all season. Well, second best behind Washington. Oregon State does have the number two pass defense in the Pac-12. Bo Nix this year has three games where he was under 75% passing. Like, it's just stupid what he's doing completion percentage-wise. I think you're right. It's a lot of the short stuff. But still, the, 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 the amount of numbers in the 80s in completion percentage in his game log is kind of absurd. He's thrown two interceptions this year, and it was in games they won by 44 points and a game they won by 36 points. So he's basically been perfect in terms of turning the ball over in in just about every game they played this year. So I was going back and forth on this because I'm I'm kind of with you on like the emotional aspect of it of like it felt like they put everything into that Washington game a week ago and it might they might not have enough left and an Oregon Oregon this could have some blowout potential to it. But something about this being potentially the last Oregon Oregon State matchup, it's like we, we know we're getting the Apple Cup moving forward. We don't know we're getting this one after these teams are in different conferences. I feel It feels kind of like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Like, it's just – Oregon State, I feel like, got a different kind of chip on their shoulder for this one. They've played a lot of close games this year. I think Oregon wins this, but I'm going to take Oregon State to cover the spread. So, I'm going to go like 37-27, maybe not like a down to the wire. But I think Oregon State keeps this pretty close. Okay. Um, and let's keep it moving to Saturday. These Both those games were on Friday, uh, actually. Um, Iowa and then Oregon, Oregon State. Saturday, 3.30, we got Alabama at Auburn. Auburn is a 14.5-point home dog. Is there going to be some Jordan-Hare magic here? Like, 
I've never understood. It's like the most inexplicable thing in all of college football, the way Auburn is able to is able to play up to Alabama's level almost every year they play. I mean, it doesn't even matter if it's a good Auburn team. Somehow they seem to play their their best game. And it wasn't just a Gus Malzahn thing. Like even 2021 with Brian Harson, like that's a six and six Auburn team that a team that played for a national title went to overtime with needed a 98 yard drive uh, to force overtime with. So I just go back and forth. Auburn is not a good football team, right? Alabama is a good team. I think they're getting a little overrated in kind of what's become of the offense and everything just be from playing, you know, an LSU defense, some subpart, a Kentucky defense. Like, I think there's a little bit of inflating what Jalen Milrow has really done uh, down the stretch, how much he's really improved. But this Auburn team is just a bad football team. I think there could be at 14 and a half, right? I think at 14 and a half, there could be some Jordan hair magic to keep it a little close. We obviously, Georgia was a whole different team back in Carson Beck's first career road start in what week four, week five. But they did take Georgia to the brink, lost by seven points. They Auburn has a way of playing their best game against Alabama. I'm going to take Auburn to cover, but it's a 14 and a half point spread. So give me Alabama by by 14. And it's a uh, I'm hedging my bet a little there, but I just think Auburn will keep it close, but Alabama is definitely too much for them. So give me Bama to win, but Auburn to cover. Okay. Um the problem with the Magic and it's been what 11 years now since uh uh, the Jordan Hare miracle with Chris Davis, right? And it's the 10 year anniversary. 10, yeah. 10 year anniversary. Okay. So um, maybe that's why they're talking about it so much these days, but it, it, it's, it's interesting how much they bring up one game. I mean, it was a great back to back. Like it's an all time run. And if you're an Auburn fan, like, I mean, it's a, that's a, it's just, you're never going to see. That's like one. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Those weird things as sports fans, it's like, if you're an Auburn fan, you're like in your 30s now. Like, it's just kind of weird to know. That's probably the best I'll ever see. Like, not in terms of like, you can never win a national title, but beating Georgia and Bama the way you did yeah back to back is just I, you probably will never see anything like that ever again like two miracles like that in weird unbelievable fashion just you'll, you'll as, never as see a again. georgia fan it's 
the kick six is the greatest thing ever because mm. that that prayer at Jordan Hare really goes under the radar after the mm. kick six to beat Alabama. Like so many people forget about the 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 prayer at Jordan Hare a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks before. Well, and it's also more inexplicable because everyone's more like in like the obviously because you beat Bama and the circumstances there, it was bigger. But like that wasn't that crazy. You watch the return; it was a crazy attempt by Nick Saban to take that kick to begin with. And we've seen that. Like, it's easy to break through. Once you break the gap like that on a special teams play, like, that's not all that inexplicable to return that all the way back and requiring a lot of assignment discipline from the kicking yeah. team to make a stop. And not a lot of tacklers. It's a bunch of offensive players uh, and a kicker trying to stop him. So that really, to me, wasn't that inexplicable. Crazy moment. But, no, the tip, the, the tip ball and... Uh, yeah, thrown into triple coverage yeah, and like receiver just, not even knowing where the ball yes. was. Like... That's Somehow way that's more insane. Down. I would say that just, it, like you said, it's been lost in the ether a little bit, but I think it's a way more inexplicable play than what we saw in the, the miracle of Jordan Hare. But um, Bama is 97th in long passing plays this year. They're 29th in rush defense, which is huge because I think Auburn's only chance is to be able to rush the football, run the football top 20 rush offense. They obviously get blasted by New Mexico State at home. It's not a great look coming into this game, but they also blasted the team they played the week prior. They're just kind of up and down. You just don't know what you're getting uh, week over week with uh, this this Auburn team under Hugh Freeze in year one. Very mercurial. It's just kind of the nature of the beast in year one for a lot of coaches, um, just instilling their offense and their program and all that kind of stuff. But I just think the problem with picking Auburn to cover here, because I just don't think there's a chance that Auburn wins, is they need elite quarterback play. You need a Nick Marshall type of game. You need a Cam Newton. You need like some really great stuff at the quarterback spot. Well, we're not and I don't talking about I, 2010 Alabama or 2012 Alabama. We're talking about this 2023 team. And like Jordan KJ Jefferson kept it close versus this team. Like this there's Alabama's played some close games. Texas A&M with with Max Johnson. But here's the difference. Bama's playing really good ball. They are going to win 10 in a row if they close this out here since uh they lost to Texas in week 2. I don't know. Like they, there's a lot for them to play for. They obviously can end Georgia's run in the SEC title game and knock Georgia out of the playoff because they beat Georgia in the playoff or in the championship game. Georgia's not going to the playoff. Like Georgia's out. Um, and I just, I think there's just too much on the line. I think they're focused. They're playing really good ball. Their offense is clicking on all cylinders. I just don't see Auburn with the worst quarterback in the conference being able to keep this team under under control like i don't think they're going to be able to stop alabama i think alabama's deep our offense is playing really well they're going to shut down uh bama's or auburn's run game i think Jalen miller is playing his best ball it's it's going to be a ground and pound they cover i don't think they cover in a major way because it is 14 and a half but give me give me bama 30 auburn 10 all right put it on the board and see also so the other thing, Auburn is three and two in their last five uh, in Jordan Hare versus uh, Alabama, and one of those losses was that overtime game with Bryce Young as well, which is a good Alabama team versus a really bad Auburn team. But um, there's no excuse for losing to New Mexico State, especially the way he did. Like what was it, thirty-one ten? Mm. But what are the chances Hugh Freeze was preparing for Alabama, like going into last week and just totally mm. overlooking New Mexico State? Like I think there is. There is a chance, and that Auburn is not good enough to be overlooking the opponent and be literally anyone. But as a Georgia fan, though, don't you kind of want? I don't know. Do you want 
Auburn to win and Bama to be licking their wounds and have nothing to play for in the title game? Or do you want Bama to win? No, you definitely don't. I mean, I think it'd be funny if Alabama lost, I guess, to Auburn. But CBS I mean, just, wouldn't think it was funny. But no, I mean, you definitely want that game to be the the stakes, the the playoff, win and you're in type of yeah. type of scenario. Like I want that. Is it like I? That's what I'm yeah. hoping for. It's kind of like weird. Yeah, Oregon State upsetting Oregon and kind of messing up the the, the Pac-12 championship would just be kind of a bummer at this point. Yeah. I uh, I tend to agree there, Matt Green. Where are we going next? Uh, let's stick with the SEC versus the ACC. We got Kentucky uh, at Louisville and the Cardinals or Louisville, I should say. Louisville. Louisville. Louisville, uh, uh, Louisville is a, I, I can't not say Louisville, uh, is a seven point favorite in this one. And um, Kentucky's won four straight. Um, three straight at Louisville. They've actually won. And there's something about this game that it feels it feels like it's just going to be a little weird to me. I don't want to pick Kentucky, but I feel like I just don't trust Louisville. And it's going to mess up FSU, that ACC top 10 matchup next week. But something, I'm just, I feel like something in the air. I'm, I'm picking Kentucky to go on the road and win this game. Can't explain why. I just I, I don't trust Louisville. So give me give me Kentucky a, a win to uh, kind of salvage the season. And they just seem to have Louisville's number the last few years. 24-20. Wow. We disagree here. Uh, Louisville still got the playoffs to play for. It's right in front of them. Uh, Florida State team without Tra- Jordan Travis now. Um, they need a little help to make the playoff. But Louisville is very much in play uh, for the college football playoff. They need some help, but they're absolutely in play and in a really good spot. No, Kentucky. there's no chance. They're not no Louisville's chance. not getting in over the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, or like I mean, I guess Alabama. No, they would get in over the loser of Ohio State, Michigan. I don't see any. If they way. went out, yes, they will. They will get in. I don't know. We already no one already maybe if Jordan Travis was playing, I think no one's gonna respect that Florida State win enough to jump. They're gonna need some like chaos. Like like legit chaos. Like it's gonna I, I think they have like no, almost no shot to get in the. Playoffs. I think it's low. It's like seven percent, but it's enough to you got to take care of business, and it's enough of a shot to be ready to go. Kentucky's also just bad, Matt Green. I don't know if you watched Kentucky the last half of the season. They're a bad football the team. They lost Cox, five of six. Uh... They're completing fifty percent of their passes on the road this year. They've been a really bad road team. I mean, you removed the Florida beat down. This has been a horrible season for Kentucky. They're getting worse as the season goes on. I don't believe in this team at all. And I understand like the history has helped them here a little bit. Here's the problem. None of those games included Jeff Brom, who is a better coach than Bob's or than Mike Stoops. And he has entered the fold. He is a really, really good football coach, whether it's Purdue, whether it's here, whether it's Western Kentucky, the dude just, he knows ball. I don't know if you heard this before, but uh, Jeff Brom, that guy knows ball and he's a good, good coach. I think he's probably a top 10 coach now in the sport. I think I'm pretty comfortable saying he's somewhere in that group in 2023 if I was starting a list from scratch. I think I'd have to include Jeff Brom um, right out of the gate here. No, they can take care of business. I, Kentucky's bad, and I think we need to readjust our uh, expectations for Kentucky, and I think you got to be a little worried uh, if you're a Kentucky fan going into this offseason because, man, this season got ugly in a hurry, and I just don't think they're going to be able to turned around at the last week on the road at uh, Louisville. So give me Louisville 34, Kentucky. Hmm. 
Give me Kentucky 21. All right. Put it on the board. Keeping it moving. Who we got next? Uh, let's go to the Pac-12. The Apple Cup, which is not going to be over after these two teams split conferences. Washington State at Washington. And the Huskies are a 16.5-point are favorite in this one. At this point, Washington State, I just feel like just fell off a cliff. Um, I just, I think Washington kind of needs a get right game. And I think Washington state is coming up right at the right time. I think their offense has been kind of held in check, uh, a little bit in these last like five, six weeks, um, compared to what they were early in the season. I think, uh, I think Washington's going to kind of unload some frustration on, on the Cougars. So give me Washington to win easily like 38, 17. Okay. Um, yeah, Washington State season's gotten really ugly, unfortunately, in a hurry uh, for the Cougs. But um, look, Cougars want to go bowling. They're five and six right now. They need a, uh, an upset to go to a bowl game. The rivalry was extended, so not a lot of pressure there in terms of uh, getting that last little bit like Oklahoma State, Oklahoma style here. But I don't think people understand how good Kalen DeBoer is. Now, look, my question with Washington and Kalen DeBoer goes into next year because they lose a bunch of dudes after this year. Like, a lot of receivers, a lot of old Jimmy Lake guys. And I just, Lake was an elite recruiter at Washington and obviously did not work out uh, with the offense and everything else uh, two years ago. But, Matt Green, Kalen DeBoer, <laughs> the dude just wins football games. Like, I was going through his numbers. Like, so he's a 22 and two now <laughs> since taking over at UW. He's 101 and 11 all time as a head coach in college football. He's also 30 and one in November. And UW is 11 and 0 for just the second time in school history uh, per their official site. And look, man, they lead the nation in passing offense even after another rough showing on the road in the rain and a tough environment where most teams do not win when they go to Beaver Stadium uh, or not this uh, Oregon State Stadium. And they're number Easter eight in total stadium. offense. They also are 42-16-5 against the Cougs at home. Even with Mike Leach, the best version of uh, uh, Washington State over the last 10 to 15 years, he struggled in the Apple Cup. I don't think it's the same thing with Oregon, Oregon State. I think it's a little bit different. I think there's a huge talent disadvantage here in this one. Cam Ward, Michael Penix could be a lot of fun. But all that being said, Washington's going to close this out 12-0. Kalen DeBoer just wins a bunch of freaking football games. This guy can coach his tail off and like just gobbles up wins. So uh, give me UW 45, Wazoo 18. Yeah, I think we're on the same page there. Um, let's keep it moving. Another one of the SEC-ACC rivalries here. We got Clemson going on the road at South Carolina. Gamecock, six and a half point home dog. South Carolina has won five straight in the month of November. South Carolina is five and one at home this season. Clemson is one and three on the road this season. Cocktober didn't work out too well. But Cockvember, I think I'm a believer. In the November Magic, Williams Bryce Stadium, 
I just don't trust this Clemson team going on the road. Home dog of the week, South Carolina Gamecocks. Going to get the win over the game over uh, Clemson for the second year in a row. 30 to 27. Put it on the board. Wow. Um, They're feeling it. I didn't think we would agree here. Really? So what was your score, though? I said 30 to 27. I'm so you shocked got... you're going Clemson or you're going South Carolina. South Carolina, like you said, they're really good in November for some reason. Clemson has three wins this month. That's good. They're 15th in defense and SP plus like the offense has been rough at times this year, but the defense has been one of the best in the country all year long. South Carolina's defense stinks. They're 76 in the country, but they have been doing stuff a little bit different over the last few weeks. They're getting more success on that front. Um, and they're also, like you said, they're just really good uh, in November. But both teams, I think we need to understand going into this game, there's no luster here, folks. Clemson's around a 40-ish team in the country this year. South Carolina's somewhere around there, too. Like This is not a top 20-ish matchup. This is a two unranked teams who don't belong in the rankings and just kind of aren't cl even close to competing at the national title CFP level. Like Dabo and stuff, like it's good to get these wins and everything else, but like the fall off is real and they are far back. Like it's not, they're not close to uh, sniffing national titles again at Clemson right now. This is two 40 ish or ranked teams uh, in my estimation. And at home, Rattler has graded in the 90s twice Matt Green 91.2 this is per PFF and 90.2 or 91.2 against Furman 90.2 versus Mississippi State his worst PFF grade at home was 72.1 against Kentucky he's 17 TDs three interceptions at home however this coming from TigerNet Clemson lost the turnover margin in all four defeats this season going minus two at NC State and Miami and then uh that was it so you look at those, and some of those were really bad. So if they lose the turnover margin, like a lot of teams are probably going to lose this game. But the problem is South Carolina doesn't have the turnover problem, and Spencer Rattler specifically at home. South Carolina winning three straight, 5-1 and one at home this year. The problem with them, they're 0-3 against ranked teams. Guess who's not ranked coming into this game? The Clemson Tigers. <laughs> I think they're winning. I think they're going back-to-back. -back. I think South Carolina is beating Clemson back-to-back -back years. So give me South Carolina... Give me South Carolina 28. Give me Clemson 24. Also, just in terms of historical trends, South Carolina won five straight from 09 to 2013. Then Clemson won seven straight. Mm. Maybe South Carolina starting a streak of their own. I don't know. Who knows? We'll, we'll, I can see we'll, it. We'll see on Saturday. Shane Beamer. That would go a long way for Shane Beamer if he can uh, take a hold of this in-state rivalry. I would agree, um, sir. Let's keep it moving. North Carolina at North Carolina State. The Carolina State game. They uh, cleverly call this rivalry. NC State is a two-point home dog. And I'm just going all vibes on this game. And I think as we're all selling North Carolina, you know, leaving them for dead. They're looking terrible. And this is when they come back and totally redeem themselves. Mm. So give me North Carolina, 35-31, go on the road and uh, and beat NC State. But we just, no, don't put money on this game, folks. No, but also, <laughs> you're talking about good vibes. There's not a better vibe and story right now in the Southeast in the quarterback spot than uh, right there in Raleigh, North Carolina, sir. 
Brennan Armstrong, because if people who I understand, if you're not like following NC State football very closely this year, you're not going to know how freaking weird the quarterback situation has been. But Brennan Armstrong starts the year, former uh, Syracuse quarterback, or yeah, Syracuse and Virginia. Um, I didn't remember Syracuse. Did you? I only remember. I only remember Virginia. But you can be right. Virginia, or maybe I thought maybe maybe I'm misremembering that. Unless I'm now, you have me second guessing. (laughs) Go inside of fourth. Hold on, you're you have me you have me spooked here. Hold on, hold on. Okay, never mind. He did not end up at there. Oh, okay. okay. I thought he was at both. My bad. Um, all that to be said. Robert and I, who came in from Syracuse, was the OC last year, but who was his OC at Virginia two years ago with Bronco Mendenhall, where he broke all those records and everything else. Gotcha. Like, he had history there. So he transfers to NC State in conference. It does not go well to start the year. NC State really struggles on offense. He gets benched. MJ Morris comes in. Talented kid, four-star quarterback. He plays really well for NC State. They win some games. And then he decides to <laughs> redshirt late in the year and not transfer. So he's not leaving the program, but he was like, I'm shutting it down. And it like apparently caught Dave Doran by surprise. It was one of the crazier stories you in college football this year that if it happened in a bigger program, this would be gigantic news. Like if it's happened to an SEC school, they're a quarterback just like, I'm I'm good. I think I'm good down the stretch here. I'm going to preserve the red shirt, even though we're winning and everything else. Like, eh, I'm out. And Brandon Armstrong has to come back in. Like he got benched. And it was, like it didn't go well. It, I thought it was it for the Armstrong college football experience. And then he played really well for NC State, sir. Like he had. Um. So he has. Uh, the NC State's won five of the last seven in the series. NC State's quietly good this year. They have only three losses. I think they have one. ACC loss, if I'm not mistaken, or how many ACC losses? What is it? NC State right now? Yeah. How many ACC losses do they have at the moment? Um, I just said I'm pulled. They're five and two in the conference. Five and two. Yeah. Like they're quietly good in the conference. They they're in the top three in the ACC standings. Like I think people just didn't see because of all the other stuff, and they're not as fun as they've been in years past with uh, Devin Leary and company. But like he has six total touchdowns and averaged more than 250 yards combined through the air and on the ground. Um, both against Wake Forest and uh, Virginia Tech. He was ACC co-quarterback of the week uh, after the Virginia Tech game. Duke came back off the bench and didn't miss a beat after the way the season started. Great story for Brandon Armstrong and company. No, I think Dave Doran's also just a better coach than Mac Brown at this point. I think Dave, NC State's a better coach team. They own this rivalry quietly. Five of the last seven going to NC State. No, give me the pack. Back the pack. And uh, give me NC State. Give me NC State 42. Give me UNC 34. Define didn't miss a beat. Because I'm not sure Brennan Armstrong has ever been on beat. I think it's just How dare the you? offense is just so hectic. And it's just this guy just runs around and makes everything happen. And he plays hard. He like. He's laying his body on the line. Like, I respect it, but I don't know. This thing is never, uh, it just never feels like it's smooth sailing. No, that's fair. But I mean, the dude's good, man. NC, I, I just, I'm here for it. Like, good stuff from uh, NC. He's what you call a competitor. The dude is a competitor. You gotta, um, you gotta come up with those. He's gritty. You know, he's a gamer. He's. Stats, don't look at the stats. Stats aren't important. He's uh he's just he's a hard nosed, he's a throwback player. 
yeah, no, there's some good stuff, man. Like you just you go through different uh, different uh, things, and you're like, I don't know, good coverage on it. Like different blogs have done good stuff on it. I don't know. I just I, I enjoyed reading about NC State and their run here, uh, the back and forth, and just remembering like, oh yeah, that that happened, and jogging your memory and stuff. So anyway, long way of saying. Go pack here. Yeah, they're definitely one of the more underrated programs, just period, in college football. Like low key QBU, we've talked about that before, but uh, you just you just forget they exist over there in the ACC. Um, disrespecting them, maybe they uh, maybe they they prove me wrong. Um, let's keep it in the ACC uh, with Georgia Tech hosting the George number one Georgia Bulldogs, and. Georgia Tech is a 23-point home dog in this one. Georgia Tech has not beaten Georgia in Atlanta since 1999. So Georgia pretty much owns uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium. It's uh, it's going to be, you know, over 50% Georgia fans in that one on Saturday night. So this Georgia Tech team has low-key. You want to talk about low-key have it being pretty good. Sneaky, as Chase Thomas would say. Mm. They've been sneaky good. They're like sneaky the fourth, fifth best team in the ACC this year. And uh, Haynes King is is a big reason why. He's, he's been pretty good. but He does a lot of things on offense. Does a lot of good, does a lot of bad. He, he runs around. He just does a lot. And he, he's thrown 15 picks this year. Uh, Georgia leads the SEC in picks this year. One, the only program in the SEC that has – more t- more interceptions than passing touchdowns allowed um, is Georgia. So I'm sure they're going to get a couple turnovers in this one, and it's going to be more business as usual. And this, I, I imagine Georgia Tech's not going to get too many stops uh, on defense of this Georgia offense. So give me Georgia winning and covering. Uh, I'm going to say 41 to 13. Yeah, I don't – I mean, Haynes King I think is actually sneaky. The Is he the best quarterback ten, uh, Georgia's played this year? Um, no, he's not better than, uh, Jackson Dart. Is he? I think he is. Brady Cook. I think he's better than both. He's sixth in points accounted for. I was looking at Graham like different... Mertz, maybe. No, he's definitely uh, Spence, better than Graham Spencer Mertz. Rattler is probably better. He's in the conversation. Like I think Haynes yeah. King's actually a really good quarterback and has been a pleasant story for, uh, Georgia tech this year. Um, I think he's going to score a little bit. I think they're going to be a little feisty. They were feisty against Georgia last year, um, on the road. Georgia, obviously not a lot to play for because they could lose this game and then beat Bama and still be in the CFP. Like, there's not a lot on the line for Georgia in this one. Other than Not a lot on the line, sir. It's clean old-fashioned hate. That's what's on the line. Sure. But I think Haynes King's going to make it interesting. My gut tells me Haynes King's actually going to play pretty well and that they're going to keep it close for the half, and then Georgia's going to do what they always do in the second half. I think Georgia just puts the clamps on Tech in this group. But give me... Give me Georgia 42, but give me Tech, like, give me Tech. What's the spread? What is it, 20? 23, so you're going to pick Tech. I think they're going to cover. Ooh. Give me Georgia for, what did I say, 42? Yeah. Give me Tech 25. 25, okay. We I think shall Tech see- covers. Don't put your money on uh, those yellow jackets, though. Don't put your hardworking money on them. Um, mm. let's keep it in the, another a- SEC ACC rivalry. We got Florida state at Florida and I went back and forth with this one so much. Florida's a six and a half point home dog. Obviously Florida state's missing Jordan Travis in this one, but Florida's also missing Graham Mertz. 
And I feel like as, as much criticism as I've given Graham Mertz throughout the year, that he's just not like, he, he doesn't seem to impact winning. Like he just, he plays well, he's a steady hand, but he doesn't seem to elevate the team. What he did do, I think was establish a pretty solid floor. And I don't think you we know where the floor is with uh with this new guy. And what's his name? Max something? What's his Max name? Max Brown. Max Brown. Um, and I just I think there's a chance he does nothing, you know, against this Florida State defense. So I I I want to pick Florida to win this game. I think uh, you know, they're five and six right now. They need this so desperately, not only to go to a bowl game, just get the extra practices, what that means for the program. But to beat Florida State, I think, would go a long way in just salvaging the feelings in Gainesville, Florida right now. Because a lot of these fire, these hot seat situations, it's a lot about feelings. Like we're talking about Ryan Day with Michigan. Ryan Day is one of the best coaches in college football. But the feeling that you get in Columbus, Ohio, when you lose to the school up north three years in a row, they, they can't live with that. So... I, I feel like this game is just so huge and I want to pick Florida, but I think Florida State's going to pull it out. Give me Florida State to win, but Florida to cover. So give me a, I'm going to go 27-24. Florida State does pull it out at the end. Another heartbreaker, I'm afraid, two weeks in a row for the Gators. I can see it. I mean, this is going to be a lot of running the football. I don't think either coach wants to put the ball in the hands of either Tate or Max to go out when them this game pass a lot. Like we've seen very conservative. <laughs> That's why uh Graham Ertz, very high completion percentage, very strong game manager stuff. And it's also George. I mean, Florida has two great running backs in ETN and Johnson, and they played well uh, off and on throughout the year, but also Ricky Pierce saw in the Florida receivers. Like, what is it? Wilson. They're pretty good. Like Florida has an underrated receiving duo when they're healthy and everything else. And they've kind of made the leap down the stretch here. So I think they're going to put some pressure on this Florida state secondary. And it's also like the talent, there won't be a talent mismatch here. Um, I think you, you saw last year. I mean, obviously Anthony Richardson was a different uh, animal altogether in that game, keeping Florida alive on the road in uh, Tallahassee, but that was a game late. <laughs> and uh, what was it? What was the craziest where Anthony, did he complete a, he didn't complete a pass or something? Yeah. In the he second started half? like eight for eight or something. Yeah. And then, yeah, it was like second quarter on. I think he ended up like eight for 30 or <laughs> it was something ridiculous through like 20 straight incompletions at one yeah. point or something. And they still were in position to potentially win that game late, which is just bonkers. So at home, the crowd's going to be very into it. I mean, they smell blood in the water with uh, a backup quarterback coming in from Florida State. Florida fans would love nothing more, and Florida would love nothing more than ruining uh, Florida State's dream season. Very low line, which I thought was kind of surprising at uh, six and a half here. I, I thought it would be a little bit higher for Florida State coming into this one based on what we've seen from Florida of late. Chris Hummer on 247 Sports said, quote, I'd expect both teams to rely heavily on the run. The problem for Florida is it ranks 123rd and nationally in yards allowed per rush that's the thing is i just think florida is going to get gashed here and i don't think they're going to be able to get off the field i don't think they're going to be able to do what they ultimately want to do i think jared verse and company with the defensive line for florida state is going to get home and going to really cause problems because i think the tackle spots are really banged up for florida in this game so i think they're going to get home i think jared verse is going to be living in the backfield against max brown and i think he's going to give this florida team a lot of problems one score games the last two times these two teams have played. So I think it's going to be close, but I just trust Mike Norvell so much more than Billy Napier. I think Mike Norvell is a much better overall coach than uh, Billy Napier, especially in game. 
So I'm going to trust Norvell to finish it out here, even with the backup quarterback on the road. So give me Florida State 27. Give me Florida 24, though. I think Florida covers. You say 27 24? Mm-hmm. That was the, uh, the same score as me, sir. Oh, well, there you go. Great, great minds. Um, also, Anthony Richardson went 9 of 27 uh, last year against Florida State, and they outscored him 24 to 14 in the second half. Um, Florida Rapid State. Rapid fire now, sir, as we, we got- get the Big Ten there. Yeah, let's uh let's rapid fire this. It's rivalry week. I feel like there's just too many rivalries that I just it wouldn't feel right not talking about uh here. This not including this first one. I'll, you got more to say about this first one, so I'll, I'll give it up to you. No, Tulane it's rapid versus- fire. I'm not saying a bunch about this. That's not how this works. It's rapid no, fire. We're, we're an hour and twenty fire. minutes of this podcast. We're I'm not breaking down Tulane right uh UTSA at, at this hour. Absolutely not. Not well, doing when it. I say no the disrespect. Big rivalries, the storied rivalries and traditions I'm referring to. UTSA Tulane was not one of them. But mm. this is a big game in the uh American and wait, are they in the American this conference? Yeah, the AAC. AAC this is the AAC? Put some respect on their name. Yes, it's the AAC. I'm, I'm, dude, they keep they keep changing on me. Yeah, Tulane I and should... UTSA were both in the AAC last year. Don't let Matt Green fool you. The Tulane has not been in the AAC forever, though. Whatever, I should well, know that. Been, whatever, yeah. it's fine. Tulane, three and a half point dog or three and a half point favorite. What's your pick? Both coaches might not be their head coaches going to next year. Willie Fritz maybe at Mississippi State. Jeff Trailer maybe at A and M. Um, so that's something to watch. Frank Harris is back and playing really good ball for UTSA. UTSA got their season back on track uh, um, uh, once they got back into AAC play. It's a sneaky big game. Give me UTSA, or give me, excuse me, Tulane at home, but I do think UTSA covers. So give me 31-29 Tulane. I think this is going to be very, very close and crazy. And I would not be surprised at all if UTSA wins this game. UTSA is good. Thursday night. Oh, wait, did I pick that one yet? I said no. Tulane, 38-34. Okay. Rapid fire. Um, Thursday let, night. Th- let the record show. Folks, Matt Green's trying to get back and catch up, and he's springing. He sprung this, this is, on me this late. This is rivalry week, no, sir. I don't know, no, know what you're no. He to. wanted to catch gotta, up and not gotta lose back-to-back years. we got to talk about all these years. games. We just got to no. go on the record on these rivalries. I would That's never do happened. such a thing, sir. Okay. Uh, the Egg Bowl, Thursday night. Ole Miss is a 10.5-point favorite at mississippi state these two teams are five and five in the last 10 the road team has won six of the last eight in this series four of old miss's five wins have come by seven points or less the only one that wasn't was vanderbilt so i don't think old miss can cover a two possession spread so give me old miss to win mississippi state to cover 31 24 not so fast my friend knox is here he's driving like a Four-wheeler into the, the the locker room after their win over Southern Miss last week. Good mm. vibes all together. Will Rogers playing really good ball. At home, Hale State riding out into the offseason. No, the vibes are too good. Mississippi State wins. Ole Miss has nothing to play for wow. down the stretch here. No, I think Mississippi State wins outright in an upset. Give me Mississippi State. Hmm. Give me Mississippi State 38, Ole Miss 34. Nothing to play for, sir. Their second 10-win season in program history. They I don't think uh, they don't care. They, they don't. Uh, uh, going to Ford Field. For some reason, Penn State, Michigan State are playing in a neutral site. Um, Penn State is going to absolutely destroy Michigan State. They have zero pulse on offense. 34-6, to 6, Penn State dominates. Penn State... No. 
I don't know if it's sorry not to cut you off. They are clearly better than everyone else in the Big Ten, other than Ohio State, Michigan. I think we people forget that after they lose to Ohio State, Michigan, they're still way better than everyone else. What was Penn State, uh, Iowa this year? Oh, they smashed them. It was okay, like forty-one ten yeah. or was it thirty-one nothing? Thirty-one nothing. Okay. Okay. Um, I didn't remember that one. Uh, yeah, no, Penn State wins, but uh, give me Michigan, Michigan State to cover in their final one here in a neutral site in in Michigan. All right, put it on the board. Friday night, Missouri, Arkansas. I um, what is this one? Nine point. I wrote that down wrong, but Arkansas is a nine point dog at home. I um, I think this is going to be another uh, game winning field goal. Third game winning field goal for the thicker kicker. I think this game is going to come down to the wire, and Missouri escapes again, thirty one thirty. Arkansas mm-hmm. covers. I think Missouri wins too, but they are doing some weird stuff, like getting after the Florida players on the sideline this past week. Uh, I stand on business, Josh, two weeks ago. Just real weird stuff. Easily root uh, againstable is what I'm making up a word there. Um, Arkansas, they announced Sam Pittman's back. He's coming back for another year. KJ Jefferson, this is probably it. Not Bro, so fast, my maybe. friend. Give me Arkansas in an outright home upset here. Give wow. me Arkansas and the Hogs to get a good vibes win and to end Mizzou's uh, ten and two season on uh, on the road here. Give me Arkansas twenty seven, Missouri twenty four. I kind of wanted to do that, but I um, you know why you did this, right? Why? Because you hate Eli Drinkwitz. Do you know why you hate Eli Drinkwitz? Because. Tennessee, Missouri is a big time rivalry these days, sir. So that's why you can just feel it in your picks. You just hate the hate you have for Missouri. I can just, I can just feel it. Just that's just what rivalries are made of, sir. Okay, can we move? <laughs> can, can we move Let's forward? get moving on the one that the SEC is trying to make a rivalry. Right? It's not mm. really a rivalry. Let's make it a rivalry. Uh, everyone else is paired up. We need you guys to pair up. We got Texas A&M at LSU. LSU is an 11 and a half point favorite in this one. And they have had their games where they've just blown people out this year. But with that defense, it's just hard to trust them covering a spread. I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go LSU to win, but I think A&M covers. So give me, give me 38, 30 uh, LSU wins at home. I think, uh, the ship has sailed in the sand and season. You got other guys coming in. I think it's going to be hard for a lot of guys to get up for this one in death Valley. Uh, I think Jane Daniel's still playing for a Heisman. He's got to go off. He's got to put up bonkers numbers uh, this last time here. So give me LSU. I think this might be a quit situation where they've already checked out a and for the year. Give me, give me LSU 63 A&M oh. Wow, sixty-three. They, they, they. If that happens, they are definitely. Um, it's a, it's a Heisman showcase for sure. Well, people like you're like, whoa, sixty-three, folks. Let me give you my numbers here. Since Florida State, Grambling State, they dropped seventy-two. They dropped forty-one on Mississippi State, thirty-four on Arkansas, uh, forty-nine on LSU or on Mississippi, forty-nine on Mizzou, forty-eight on Auburn, sixty-two on Army, twenty-eight against Alabama, fifty-two against Florida. 56 against Georgia State. It's not outrageous to say they're dropping A&M 63 on a should be one of the better defenses they've played if if we get a But it, would it really effort. surprise you if they get 56, 62? It shouldn't. 
I uh, I could definitely see a monster day from Jaden Daniels just to get those Heisman numbers. Um, and the oldest rivalry in all of college football, at least in terms of uh, Power Five, the most consecutively played game. This is now the 133rd matchup of Wisconsin and Minnesota. They are exactly tied, 62, 62, and eight. Mm. I don't have the trends. I'm not looking at the recent the recent games. I had it pulled up somewhere, um, but. I uh, Minnesota's won two straight in this in this series. I'm really just going to side with the home team in this one. I'm not getting a good feel for either team. The Big Ten West is just, it feels like the same teams are playing every week, honestly. Like all of these teams, the Big Ten West. Um, I'm going to say Minnesota wins a close one. Uh, what, which one is this? This is the Paul Bunyan's Axe uh, game. Mm. And uh, Minnesota, not to be confused with the Paul Bunyan trophy, which Penn State... No, wait, which Michigan State and Michigan play for. And then there's also a megaphone. That's that's what Michigan State and Penn State are playing for. I think it's like a megaphone or something. Regardless, Minnesota's winning Paul Bunyan's axe 23-20. Put it on the board. No. Give me Wisconsin. Uh, last little bit here for Luke Fickle. Little win. Minnesota's offense is ugly. I think they're getting their quarterback back for like the ninth year. Uh, another like a long term. Uh, Luke Fickle was talking about it this week of guys because Cam Rising's getting his seventh year of eligibility uh, for Utah because he's coming back next year. Um, but uh, now give me give me Wisconsin to make it through what's actually been a pretty miserable first year for Luke Fickle in in Washington uh, or Wisconsin. Give me a give me a dub here. Win and cover. Yeah, it was a two and a half. Minnesota was a two and a half point dog. Yeah, give me Wisconsin um, 28, Minnesota 20. And then we got Arizona, Arizona State. Uh, Sun Devils are a 10 and a half point home dog. And they've just been, are they the worst team in the Pac-12 this year? They're they're right there mm, at the bottom. Stanford, no? I would still probably lean. Yeah, that's true. Um, but Arizona, you know, we've seen this team is is just playing really well down the stretch. So I think they win this one easily. Give me like 34, 17, uh, Arizona wins and covers on the road. Yeah, I think that's true. Arizona's had a quietly great year and they have uh pac 12. They need some help pac 12 title, uh, implications still here. So give me Arizona, give me Arizona 48, Arizona state 10. Yeah. I don't know what the tiebreaker is, but I've heard it spoken as fact that if Oregon loses and Arizona wins, Arizona's in. in the Pac-12 championship. Yeah. So, if only you had divisions and you knew exactly <laughs> who was playing who, but that's a crazy. What am I what am I thinking, grandpa over here? Um in the ACC, we got Virginia, Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech trying to go trying to get bowl eligible with this one. Um they're a 3 point favorite on the road and I think that added motivation Give me the Hokies to go on the road and win this one. I'm going to say 31-21. Ooh, okay. Uh, Virginia Tech has played a lot better this year, but I think UVA's played really well in the series, right? I don't have it in front of me, but I think for – am I misremembering that? Is this more of a Virginia history off the top of your head? Um, This game is one that feels like it goes back and forth to me. I'm trying to pull it up right now. This is just – Excellent radio we got going on here. Um, Virginia Tech has dominated, actually. So they've won oh, yeah. two I knew straight. one. Okay, I was wondering which one because it felt like one of them has dominated more than the other. 
Okay. Yeah, it looks like it. I can't. I'm not counting it off the top of my head. But it looks like like 15 of the last 16 yeah. or something. They they've pretty much dominated. Okay, give me uh, Virginia Tech here to win and cover. Give me Virginia Tech like 27, Virginia 20. And then our last one, last but not least, the Tennessee Volunteers. Pick Vandy, Matt. Herbie I'm tried to do say, it last I, year. You, Get, honestly, pick, you, pick Vandy. You threw in the 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 wild card of Nico playing, and I don't know. Maybe they do have a little, you know, little some hiccups busting a new quarterback. But I'm thinking Tennessee takes out some frustration on the Commodores in this one, and um, they put up a 50 spot. Give me Tennessee 51, Vanderbilt 10. I hope so. Um, they're just so banged up, like. Are on back. They're on walk on tackles, walk on stars. Like it's bang banged up. Like this team's trying to just limp. They're when we say limping to the end of the season, this team is has been just destroyed over the last two weeks with injuries. Um, still, all that being said, at home senior day, I think they they run all over uh, Vanderbilt with ease. Probably a first play, Jalen Wright, eighty yard touchdown. He's done that three times this year. Um, I think they busted open. Is that right? Early. Yeah, he's had. Uh, first possession i'm shocked that they did not did they say that on the broadcast last week if that was the third time oh that's true if that was the third time i'm sure you haven't rewatched it that's not a that's not a great rewatchable game but um i i would have thought if that was the third time he'd done that they would have said something about not even being sarcastic like jay from world series little league world series stuff i i never heard him say that yeah no he's done it yukon and then he did it against um kentucky Kentucky. Yeah, it was Kentucky. Is that right? Those three. Um, there you go. Well, give me Tennessee. Give me Tennessee 49. The offense sucks. Uh, give me Tennessee 49, and I don't even feel good about that. Um, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt 17. Maybe 24. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All right, put it on the board. It was rivalry week. You know, we had to really dig in deep. You know, there's just so many games we're leaving out. And, you know, the last week of the season, can't can't hold back now. Um, you know, really excited to see what we do. What do we have? Did Do you know how many games that was that we we picked this week? I think I'm 20? up to 19 we picked 19, this okay. week. So, oh, man, I feel like we need to pick one more. That no, mean, 20, no, but, uh, <laughs> no. Matt Green. Another season in the books. We still got playoffs and bowls and all that kind of stuff. And we'll do our bowl pick them and we'll do a big uh, bowl preview show and break that up and all that good stuff. Oh, conference chant. No, don't well, skip over conference championship weekend, sir. Well, that too. That too. That's so, still counting towards our pick them conference championship. Yeah. Weekend. But I mean, we won't be down to one anyway, so it doesn't really matter. And only a couple. Well, I guess we do have five to six or whatever it is. Um, either way, Matt Green, always a pleasure. And I will talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 